Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Oh, He's so good. He is so good. Would you please stand with me, turn your Bibles to Psalm 100. As today we conclude the series we've been in now for four weeks. This is the fifth week and the final. Psalm 100 and verse number 5. And I'm going to ask that you read it aloud with me. Psalm 100, verse number 5. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank You for the reading of Your Word. We thank You for the promise of Your Word, the truth of Your Word. Lord, I pray today that You would open our minds and our hearts and our ears to receive what thus saith the Lord. Lord, I yield myself to you. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that I would say nothing unless you want me to say it. I pray that, I pray that you'll do the preaching today, that nobody will be recognized for doing something great, but they'll be recognized for submitting themselves to you and allowing you to use them. We love you today. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your sustaining power. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Here in verse number five, uh, we find the second and last motivation for worship. Simply the fact that God is good. Here's the reality about God being good. He cannot be anything else. Now I want, you, I want, I want to help, help you to grasp this truth. God is good, don't miss this, because He is defined by nothing. Let that sink in for just a minute. He's defined by nothing. He is compared to nothing. Why? Because He made all things. So if he's made all things, then he has to be better or what some people might say in Powell County, gooder than anything else. He is good. That's the very definition of who God is. Now in the midst of all of, of the word good and all maybe the different definitions you could come up with the word good, uh, there are countless things you could say about God's goodness. But here, the psalmist defines why God is so good. Now, I want you to understand this is a human attempt to define how good God really, really is. I want you to find out, or I want you to notice for just a moment that the psalmist, when he says, For the Lord is good, and then he lists three things that are so good about God. And none of them have anything to do with riches or money or the things of this life. But the three things that the psalmist lists to define how good God is are all spiritual matters. But what I think is interesting is there's a truth that I've come to realize in my short 31 years on this earth, soon to be 32, boy, that's getting old, soon to be 32. I have realized that the spiritual, don't miss it, always affects the physical. 
But the physical never affects the spiritual. The spiritual always affects the physical, but the physical never affects the spiritual. You say, preacher, what does that mean? You see, God is so good. He is so good in his wisdom and in his power. I mean, just go on and on and on about how good he is. That when we truly understand the goodness of God and the power of God that is displayed in our lives, it does not matter what's going on around us or physically, as long as we know that God is good and that He has a plan, that He knows the beginning to the end, we can rest in that. So when a senior saint is going through an awful, awful physical battle, their mind can be at peace. Their heart can be at peace. Why? Because the spiritual affects the physical. Oh, what a truth that is. It's because we understand and we know the goodness of God. So I want to break down the verse for you today. And I want to look at the three things that the psalmist mentions about God. The first thing we know, he says, he says to praise God because he's good for his goodness. We are told that the Lord is good. Now, as I've already said, this seems to be like a limited description for God. But the words means good, pleasant, beautiful, delightful, glad, joyful, precious, correct, and righteous. It can also mean expensive. Everything, everything God does is an expression of His goodness. We can praise our God because He is good, regardless of what happens in life. God is good. No matter how things turn out, God is still good. Therefore, we praise Him for His goodness. We don't praise Him according to our circumstance. Now, as you all know, uh, Julie delivered Amelia last Thursday. And on Friday, I delivered an appendix. <laughs> now... For me to explain to you how good God really is. Let me tell you the story. So that was, see, let's see, that was on Thursday, yeah. The Thursday before, uh, we thought Julie was going into labor. Started having some contractions. In fact, we were at, we were at the Cracker Barrel. Hallelujah. Bless God. <clears throat> oh, that's good food. Anyway, we're at Cracker Barrel, and uh, she's, you know, she, when, when she gets really concerned about something, but doesn't want to say anything, she gives me the, a look, you know, like, and she gave me that look about four times, and I, and I said, Are you having contractions? She goes, so she started timing them and all that. We said, we finished our meal, we go out to the porch, uh, there at Cracker Barrel, Lydia wanted to play checkers, so we started playing some checkers, and they were getting, you know, a little more closer, so... We drove home, thought, what do we do? You know, I said, well, let's just call the midwife, you know, make sure this is, you know. But, but, but I thought, she's going to have this baby tonight. You know. We called the midwife. Midwife said, drink some water, go lay down. If they don't stop, you're probably in labor. If they do stop, that's just fake. Okay. So she went and laid down, and, and they kind of stopped, and then they kind of came back. And I was convinced she was going to have that baby that night. Well you know, the rest of the story. She did not have the baby until the day it was scheduled to be done, which was last Thursday uh, for an induction. 
So then we went on the rest of our day through Thursday, and Amelia was born at 101, 91919 at 101, and um, went through that day, and uh, everything was fine and good. Well, we get to the end of the day, and that night, uh, Julie's mother had brought the girls up to the room. My mom and dad were there. We were all having a good time and just talking and loving on the baby, and uh, the girls were hungry. Imagine that. Our girls were hungry. So me and my mom and dad took the girls to get something to eat, and Julie, or my mother-in-law stayed with Julie, and we went to Chipotle. So maybe it's Chipotle's fault. I don't know. We went to Chipotle. Oh, boy, that's good food, too. Anyway, went to Chipotle, got, us, got me one of them chicken bowls. Oh, hallelujah. But anyway, so ate that, and as we we're finishing dinner, I began to get a little uncomfortable, and I just figured, you know, it was probably some gas. You know how that is. So... <laughs> So uh, we get back to the room, and, and it was still bothering me. Well, Thursday night, didn't, I didn't really sleep at all. I tossed and turned and was hurting, you know, hurting. And uh, kind of just left it alone. Finally, at about 5 o'clock in the morning, I had all I could take, and I was awake, couldn't go back to sleep. So I went down to the lobby and just sat out in the lobby there at the hospital, waited till the gift shop opened. When the gift shop opened, I went over and got some, me some Pepto-Bismol. That's the nastiest stuff man ever created. I took, some, I took two doses of Pepto-Bismol, and it didn't phase it. I'm thinking, what in the world's going on with me? So finally, I said something to Julie and to my mother, who both said, you probably should go get it checked out. And I was like, oh, if I get over there, and I've got to pay $200 on a copay for the ER visit, and they tell me to just have some gas, <laughs> pass some gas, I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> Remember, God's good. Remember, God's good. I get over there. Described, first of all, there was no wait, which was great. Literally, there was nobody in the waiting room. I checked in. They brought me back. The nurse asked me what was going on. I told her what was going on. Took me back to a room. The physician's assistant comes in, asks what's going on. I told him what's going on. A lot of pain on my right side. She said, okay, we'll send you back for a CAT scan. Go back to the CAT scan. By the way, I am not claustrophobic. But if you are, Lord have mercy. I don't know how you get through a CAT scan. But anyway, so I went through the CAT scan. A few minutes later, the physician's assistant walks in. She says, yep, uh, I just called the surgeon. He's on the way. Uh, you have an inflamed appendix. I said, oh, okay, that's great. Surgeon gets there. By this time, my parents had gone back to Cincinnati. So I called them and said, well, I'm having surgery. They got back in their car and drove back to Lexington. Um, Surgeon walks in a few minutes later. He says, my surgical team is all about here. He said, we're going to surgery right. As soon as they get here, we're going right to surgery. I said, can we wait like an hour for my parents to get here? He said, no. He said, that thing is so inflamed, it is hours away from bursting. God's good. We go into, he told me, he said, now, if it bursts between now and the time I get you into surgery, he said, I'll have to cut you from one side of your belly to the other clean all that out, you'll, you'll have to go on heavy antibiotics, you could possibly go septic, and you'll be in the hospital for two to three weeks. I said, well, thank you for a good report. <laughs> he said, now, if, it's not, if it hasn't bursted, I'll just simply make three small incisions and take it out orthoscopically. I said, well, let's, let's pray that's how it's done. So he gets in there, it was inflamed, and he was able to take it out orthoscopically with no other issues. Now, the other part of this was that Julie and Amelia were going to be discharged on Saturday. I had the surgery on Friday night. 
I said, Doc, I said, um, if all goes well, I really would like to go home on Saturday. Well, again, God is good. We're able to go home on Saturday. I firmly believe that it was God's providential power and His sovereignty that saw fit that Julia would have that baby on Thursday. We would already be at a hospital. That appendix would be inflamed and that doctor would be able to take it out in just a matter of hours. I believe that was all because of the sovereignty of God and simply because He is good. Even though I had to go through surgery and it hurt like the Dickens, okay? It hurt. Even though I had to go through surgery, God was still good. Do you see now? The goodness of God is not about you and I not having to go through anything in our lives. The goodness of God is about the fact that we make it through what we go through in our lives. That's what's great about the goodness of God. So the psalmist declares, the Lord is good. Secondly, we not only do we praise God for His goodness, but we praise God for His grace. Now we are told that God's mercy is everlasting. We see that here in the verse. We can praise God because He is constantly extending His mercy to us where we go through life. And you know, mercy is defined, the definition defined defined as mercy is not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. Now, grace is defined as um, receiving favor completely unmerited. So mercy says, I'm not going to give you the full punishment or the punishment. Grace says, you're simply favored because you're favored. You can't earn it. So in many ways, they're very related. Grace and mercy are related. Oh, can I tell you, we live in a time when everyone wants what's coming to them. They say, just give it to me. But not me. If I got what was coming to me, I would get a place that is called hell. If I got what I was deserved this morning, I'd experience the undiluted wrath and fierceness of the Almighty God. But instead of that, God deals with me in mercy and He deals with you in mercy. He holds back His wrath from our lives. How do we know this is true? It is true because of the fact that nearly 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son Jesus to die for us The greatest display of mercy was when God sent His Son to die in our place so that we could be, so that we could receive the unmerited favor of God. It all happened because of God's mercy and His grace. And have you ever thought about this? That while Jesus was hanging on the cross, Every sin that you have ever committed or that you might ever commit in the future was laid upon Jesus Christ. It was all laid upon Him. And He died. He took that sin to the grave. But on that third and glorious morning, He arose from the dead conquering the sin that He placed in the tomb. 
conquering the sin. Sin would no longer have a hold on us because Jesus Christ left it in the tomb where it belonged, by the way. What great joy that brings us, knowing that God has extended His grace and His mercy. This mercy and this grace is so great, it does not matter how far you've gone, how far you are from God. If you repent of your sin, turn to Him, He is obligated because He is a merciful God. He is obligated to forgive you of your sin. There's nothing you have done that disqualifies you from the forgiveness of sin. Nothing you have done. I think of the song that says, God's grace will always be greater than sin. Calvary has proven it time and time again. Oh, I can't help but think of that. I'm just going to preach a little bit. right? I'm going to preach a little while. Is that okay? I can't help but think of that verse that says, Oh, where sin abounded, much, much more grace abounded. There is plenty of grace to go around. If you find yourself today down and depressed because of decisions you've made, can I tell you there's grace and there's mercy. He's good. He's good because He extends much mercy and much grace. Look with me at Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. I love that line that says, They are new every morning. Do you know what that tells me? You can start over every morning. If you messed up yesterday, you can start over the next day because of God's grace and because of His mercy. Praise God for His goodness. Praise God for His grace, thirdly and finally. Say amen. Anytime the preacher says finally, you're supposed to say amen. Now, I'm not as hungry today, so I'm not as itching to get out of here because I had that caramel corn this morning, you see. So, I might preach a little longer. <laughs> oh, that's good praise God for his goodness praise God for his grace finally praise God for his guarantee his guarantee here the verse or the psalm concludes with this and his truth endures to all generations Simply stated, while the years pile up, not a single promise of God's word will fail. Not a single one will fail. You see, God cannot lie. Hebrews 6 and verse 18. You know the verse. Let's read it together. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. God cannot lie. And what He has promised will be good in a 10,000 years as it is in this instant and this moment because He promised it. When He tells you He loves you, you can count on it. When He tells you He'll save you, 
you can count on it. When he tells you uh, that he'll take care of you, you can count on it. If he tells you that he's coming back to receive you, you can count on it. Why? Because it's the promise of God. It is a guarantee. You can mark it down. You know, in our culture today, in our culture today, there's much debate over the Scripture. There's a lot of conflict between what science says and what the Bible says. Now, I want you to understand something that... um, I don't hate science. I, I understand science. I'm not a scientist, but I do understand science. But you have to understand, you cannot, you cannot box God into a scientific theory. You do realize that's all that science is. Science is a theory still waiting to be proven. That's all it is. You can't fit God into a scientific theory box. He's much bigger than that. <laughs> And there is still some absolute truth that we find in, in the world today. The truth, the ultimate absolute truth is everything from Genesis to Revelation. If what God says in His Word, if you and I cannot take it to the bank as a promise of God, then what good is it to begin with? Why serve Him if I can't trust what He said? I have some colleagues in the ministry that would tell me that not all Scripture is an error and infallible and without error. That you have to accept that there's human error in it. And to that, to that question or to that statement, here is the question I ask them. Then which part of it is true? Because if the gospel's not true, we're in trouble. They typically tell you, well, it's that Old Testament stuff. You know, you really can't count on that. Well, I hope I can count on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because that's where you find the gospel. Either we believe it all as absolute truth, or we don't believe any of it at all. But there's a guarantee here. God says His truth endures forever. When the skeptics and the heretics and the atheists and the extreme left try to blot out God's truth, it still stands firm. There is still absolute truth in our day today. You say, preacher, what's the absolute truth? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You say, preacher, what is the absolute truth? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am ye may be also. That's old King James. Say amen right there. You say, preacher, what is absolute truth? He who began a new work in, or he who began a work in you will be faithful to bring it to the completion. That's absolute truth. You say, preacher, what is absolute truth? The dead in Christ shall rise, and all of us that are remaining shall be caught up in the clouds of glory, and we will see him face to face. That is absolute truth. You say, preacher, what is absolute truth? It is Genesis. revelation. You say, preacher, what is absolute truth? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You say, preacher, what is absolute truth? When Hagar laid her little lad under the bush and the lad was crying out, 
The Bible says the lad was about to die, but the Bible says that God heard the cry of the lad. You say, preacher, what is absolute truth? I tell you this, when you pass through the waters, they will not consume you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be consumed. You are mine. You are precious in my sight. There is still absolute truth today. And it will go on for eternity. You see, even when this earth passes away, this will still remain. Why? Because it's God's truth. His faithfulness, His sovereignty, His love, His mercy, His grace. It's all in here. It's all in here. You don't find any of what I just told you. You don't find in the Watchtower magazine. You won't find it in the Quran. You won't find it in the book of Scientology. You will only find it from Genesis to Revelation. So I praise God because He's good. I praise God because of His grace and His mercy. And I praise God for His absolute truth. 